Okay, Kaylee. So you're like super Kaylee in your mm-hmm. in your film or TV series or whatever kind of media that you want to be in. But what's your kryptonite? What would bring you down? I firstly, I would like all media. I'd like comic books and films and everything. Something. You're very greedy. Yes. Um, I would say, what would bring me down? It would either be something really lame, like chocolate, or it would be love. Like, I feel like I would easily, I would, no, for like Dennis, for my dog, I would do anything for him. So if they, the, the super villain was holding my dog to ransom, I'd be like, fine. <laughs> the sort of the, you're the Molly Weasley kind of superhero. I am, yeah. If they got my sister, my dog, I've got like a few select people, you're on the list, if they got you... Oh, yes. that's so nice. My boyfriend. I'd probably kill everyone that they asked me to. Well, they that makes you a, not a very strong superheroine. <laughs> I know. Well, I would just have to keep you all. I'd have to be one of those ones who's like, I have no love. And I'd have to go and like live on my own like Bruce Banner does. You have to become a sociopath, basically. Yeah. I guess a sociopathic superhero would be perfect because the, there's no kind of compassionate thing that they can possibly that a villain could possibly use against them. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like really lame, like, I don't know, religious. <laughs> what, lamer than love? Lamer than love, they could have gone, God. <laughs> <laughs> Your film would have that really corny scene where they're like, knives don't work, bullets don't work. What could it possibly be? And then there's one character who goes, I know, love. It would be a Valentine's Day movie that everyone would enjoy. <laughs> yes, Val- Big action sequences. A Valentine's like- superhero movie. Yeah, there's a them. there's a gap in the market for that. I think so. They release Deadpool on Valentine's Day normally, but such is life. How about you? Mm. What's your kryptonite? So, it, if it was something that I'm scared of, it would be snakes. Um, like the villain could have whatever power, but if they just throw some snakes at me, I'd just run away screaming for the hills. Ah! <laughs> you would have been no good as Harry Potter then. I wouldn't. No, I would. I just. I just wouldn't go to Hogwarts. I'd be like, nah. <laughs> I've heard they have snakes. I've heard there's a great big snake hiding underneath Hogwarts. So, no. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like, like anything that doesn't have legs. Like some people hate spiders, but I'm all right with spiders because they've got legs. But if it doesn't have legs, then I'm not happy. Like eels, slugs, worms, things like. What about that. if it had legs and then lost them? Yeah, I guess that would freak me out because. In what kind of circumstance would that happen? I don't know. It could be the supervillain's like, I know, and then he just whips his legs off to freak <laughs> out. I don't know. <laughs> no, because it's also the way snakes eat, the way they sort of swallow their food whole is that, like my worst nightmare is getting swallowed um, alive by like a giant snake and just being stuck inside it like that. Your worst villain would be a snake. That's it. Would be, it would be some kind of snake villain or just a villain that throws snakes at people. Yeah, I oh. guess if, if we're doing scary things, rats then. Mm, rats. Yeah. Very 1984, yeah. Um, but if it was something that I just don't like and just makes me want to retch, it would be mushrooms. So they just have to throw like mushrooms at me. Oh my God, you're just like my sister. Is she not a mushroom fan either? No, she would detect them, like even the tiniest speck in anything and pick them all out. It's such a, a bore. <laughs> I understand. I can tell if there's mushrooms in it. I can just sense it, and I'm like, no, I just have to like pick them out. Basically, I think it's I think it's partly the texture, the taste, but also the color. The color they have they are a really horrible color. 
Yeah, they are grey. I mean, you don't normally want to eat anything that's grey, unless you're Beauty in Beauty and the Beast. Um, they're like a kind of ugly, sick grey. Like the sort of colour you'd be if you had bubonic plague kind of grey. Yeah, the worst kind of plague grey. The, the rigor mortis kind of grey. <laughs> they should. You should work in a paint shop. They'd love you labelling those colours up. <laughs> rigor mortis mushroom grey. Delicious. Yeah, okay, so mushrooms. That's a good one too. Would that be only mushrooms you eat or like little toadstools in the forest and stuff? No, toadstools are adorable because you associate them with like pixies and elves and shit. But um, at like putting mushrooms in my food, that would be like putting, it would be worse than putting cyanide in my food, I think. Mm, I feel like it wouldn't be, but we could say it would for the purpose of the crime. Are you saying I'm being dramatic? <laughs> Maybe yes. Maybe <laughs> a lack of drama should be your kryptonite. <laughs> I guess snakes is a probably a more uh, realistic thing to be fearful of because a lot of them are venomous and a lot of them are big and aggressive. So snakes wielding mushrooms like in their mouths. <gasps> Snake. They throw the snakes and the snakes open their mouths and mushrooms come out. Exactly. That's the <laughs> ultimate villain, the snake <laughs> mushroom god. Uh, I guess mine would be a rat that like has hold of someone I love. <laughs> A rat that is trying to eat your sister. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> a rat trying to eat your dog. A rat on the dog giving the dog bubonic plague. Ugh, no, I hate them so much. It's their tails. Mm, I would never yeah, hurt yeah. one, but I just don't want to see one. And I know in London, which is why I moved out of London, they're everywhere. They're like a foot away from you at all times. All right, it's, it's not like Dick Whittington or the Pied Piper here. It's like... It's, That's what they say. They're always like, oh, wherever you are, you're like less than a foot away from a rat. And I used to think about that sometimes when I was in Greenwich. <laughs> yeah, but they're underground or in bushes and stuff. They don't go... It's not like in, uh, at, you know, Tudor times when, you know, you'd have some old washerwoman sweeping her broom and all these rats are coming out of her front door. It's not like I that. I always imagine them like, like in Twilight just sitting on the bedstand watching me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> or like the birds. <laughs> You're like, no. They are generally associated with like con conniving and cunning and evil and stuff, aren't they? Rats get a bad rep. So do snakes, I guess. <laughs> they got blamed for the plague and the snake got blamed for Eden. I mean, they're all getting, we don't know if it was actually them. It's just they didn't get to say To, be, to be fair to the snake, the rats did cause the plague. Whereas we don't know if the snake caused the Eden fiasco. Well, if you go with what it says in the book, it says that it did. <laughs> cool. So your your kryptonite is love <laughs> and mine is snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and we have secondary kryptonites just for fun. Yes, we do. We do. Rats and mushrooms. <laughs> it's a weird film, but I would watch it. I think there's a market for this kind of surrealist superhero genre that we're creating together. For sure. And our Avengers team at least it's um like we're never going to be taken out by the same thing. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. I watched The Avengers for the very first time, the very first crossover movie. Did you love it? 
I fucking loved it. Yes, it's, you loved it. I knew you would. It's the best one, in my opinion, of the phase. It, it, is it what the best one of all of them? No, of this phase, I would say. I, I agree with that. It's, it's now my top, top one. I, I got so into it. I, I actually had to like, had take a moment when the film ended to just kind of bring down, bring myself down from this sort of superhero high. I wasn't, I can't say I was massively cared about whether characters died or whatever, but I was very excited and very like overstimulated like a child. I feel like even the beginning just feels bigger. Like when Nick Fury gets out the helicopter and starts walking around, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be massive. There was no point where I was like, oh, it's slowing down. I'm getting bored now. I constantly wanted to know what was going to happen next. And I felt like it fleshed out a lot of characters better than the origin stories did. I, yes, I agree. And I was going to ask you about that because I know you weren't a fan of, of the Cap, but do you like him now? I do like him now, but I like... I, okay, I'm, I, he's probably like the one that I like the least out of the whole group of them, but I understand his function in, in their group. I think he was stronger as part of the group and what he, he brought to the group. Well, he, he is. He's a, he's a team player. Did you... Um, okay, well, based on this film, before we get into it then, how, let's rank the, the, the Avengers for you. Oh, the, the main four? Plus, hang on. Plus Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah, they're in it. The six. The six. Yeah, I was like, I was just like, four? Oh, you've missed out two, but who have you missed? <laughs> I don't know if they're considered actual Avengers or whether they're sort of added it, because they're not, like, they don't have powers. They're just really cool. Yeah, yeah but they're in there. They they're in there. Yeah. They, they stood in that circle when the camera pans around them towards the end, when they're all, like, assembled. Can I tell you my top one, and I, I have no absolutely, absolutely no doubt about this, is Black Widow. <laughs> and she was the one that I thought was fleshed out so much better than in Iron Man 2. I actually thought they shouldn't have had her in Iron Man 2 and brought her in in this one the way that they do in that original, in that sort of introductory scene. She's good, right? That's like, because at first you're like, oh, for God's sakes, a woman in her underwear tied to a chair, of course. And then it just becomes amazing. It was brilliant. Let's, yeah. I, and that was, so she's number one for me. Um, then Tony Stark and then Hulk, I think. Um, probably then Thor, and then Hawkeye, then Captain America. I'm still- He's Haw Hawkeye above Captain America. He's evil for like half the film. Maybe no, but not- but not of his own volition. He gets possessed oh. by Loki. He's played by Jeremy Renner, he's slightly evil. It, well, I guess so, but <laughs> I, I, I found him more interesting, well, slightly more interesting. I would say Hawkeye and Captain America are the ones that I was sort of watching the least. I kind of, I was like, yeah, I get your function in this and that's fine. But I was more interested in what the other four would do. Loki, as a villain, was so much better as well. He's so much more evil. He murders so many people. Because at first I was like, I've watched this film about like at least 12 times now. But when I watched it on this viewing, I always forget how evil he's going to be. I'm like, oh, it's Loki. He's so mischievous. And I'm like, he just fucked up like 80 people in a go. He's stabbing them. I agree. And he, he is much more menacing yeah. than in Thor. And I really like how they emphasised how menacing he is, but also they, do, they don't shy away from being like, Loki, you're a bit shit at this, actually. Yeah. You, the, he very much has bitten off more than he can chew from the very beginning. I guess in the, the fourth film, like, he, was, uh, he doesn't actually do anything that bad. He's like, oh, go on, go kill my dad. And he's like, psych, I'm going to kill you. And He's power hungry, and that's about it, really. Yeah. He's deranged and deluded. Yeah, what a great selection of D words to be. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. If if I ever become deranged and deluded, please tell me, and I will try and listen to you. I'll let you know. I'll send a snake to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I won't listen to the snake. I'll run away from the snake. I'll surround you with snakes so you have to listen to me, like Indiana Jones. Oh, you're so menacing. I know. Well, okay. So do you want to go through the film as we normally do? Sorry, it's... I derailed us a little bit. No, no, no. This, no we, we're going to be gushing about many aspects of this film, I think. Um, but yeah, it starts off with this first scene. We're in a science facility, a, a, a science facility. Don't need to know any more than that, really. Um, Nick Fury is there. Stellan Skarsgård is there. Hawkeye mm-hmm. is there. I love how Hawkeye lives in like a little nest at the top because he's like, I'm not actually a, like a superhero with powers, but I'm like a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to let people know that my name is Hawkeye. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, this is part of my branding, so I'm going to, like, go up high and, like, swing down ropes and shit. You would, though, wouldn't you? I, well, yeah, I guess it would be more fun than what the other security guards are doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they've got the Tesseract, which is the blue glowy box thing. I told you from last time, yeah. And the very important plot point. Thank you for conti- keeping me informed of that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mysteriously acting up and opening portals into far-reached outer space. Mm-hmm. And it opens up, and Loki comes through, who we last saw in Thor floating away into space. Um, and he obviously is stands up, and he's all evil, and he takes control with his spear thing of Hawkeye and um, Stellan Skarsgård and some other security guard who we never see again. Yeah, because they have heart. Well, one has heart, one has brains, so I'm going to guess the other one has courage. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that parallel. <laughs> That's just my theory. <laughs> and that room, the room in the science facility, if you turned it green, it would look like the Emerald City, I think. And he does have a sort of Dorothy look to him, does Loki. Mm. Mm. He's yes, been he through, he's travelled from one world to another. <laughs> he has he has been thrown out of his world and ended up in another one through some By a, a rainbow bridge. A rainbow yes, yeah, a rainbow bridge. That's very, very, very Oz. Yeah. Uh, maybe there could have been an intergalactic tornado somewhere. Does that make Nick Fury Glinda? Yes. I don't know. That's, it's a bit of a screwed up thing where Dor- basically Dorothy enters Oz and decides to colonise it. He's the Wicked Witch, but he's not wicked in this version. <laughs> You're actually on the side of the Wicked Witch because Dorothy is invading rather yeah. than accidentally falling into this land. <laughs> and he's using the shoes for evil rather than good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Fury, so Loki manages to get the Tesseract off Fury, which is not a good thing because the Tesseract is very powerful and unstable. Yes. I and feel like him- he had better security, really. And I also thought he was being sneaky and putting it in a different suitcase and was going to be some sleight of hand. It was like, oh no, it's just, that's it. Nick Fury was literally snuck it into a suitcase and tried to tiptoe out like he's in Scooby-Doo. I know. And didn't you think he had a better plan? He did not. (laughs) I thought he would have done. I thought, come on, this guy's got an eye patch. He must be pretty clever. Yeah, but you don't know how he got the eye patch yet. No. Do we find out eventually? Yeah, you do. Okay. So, um, yeah, Loki, Hawkeye, Stellan Skarsgård and the other security guy are all like getting away and there's a big car chase and stuff. So Fury decides to blow up the facility in an attempt to kill or at least bury Loki to buy himself some time, but fails in this. And then Loki and his minions get away with the Tesseract. Can I tell you my favorite bit in this whole yeah. fight scene was, um, so there's a big sort of explosion and Coulson and some security guards are like running down some stairs and these boxes fall over. And the security guards run to the boxes to try and pick them up. And Coulson goes, leave it, leave it, <laughs> run out now, get out. And I was like, why, why, why are they running to pick up these random boxes anyway? Why does he have to tell them this? That's useless security. Unless there's something even more intense in those boxes we don't know about. 
like snakes. Yes, like snakes or just other otherworldly stuff. But that's always the way with minions. They don't know what they're doing. That's true. You need a Colson or a Nick Fury to be like, no, guys, that's an irresponsible thing to do. Get out the facility. It's just cardboard. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't had fire safety training. I've had fire safety training recently. And I know if you see a fire, just get out. And then, and then basically we have a series of scenes where the sort of main Avengers are getting introduced. So we first get introduced to Black Widow in a really, really cool scene. It's a very different um, style of Black Widow because obviously in the first one she's, like we said, dinky in her little suited outfit with her long flowing hair. And mm. in this one she's much more like, she's much more on it. You get yeah. that she's, like, everything she's doing is so calculated and... But I like that her they introduced her main character point, which they didn't do in Iron Man 2, which is that she's really good at getting information out and being very deceptive. So she's basically tied to a chair being interrogated by Russians and she's really, really scared. And they're, they've got all these sort of torture instruments and stuff and she's very much cowering from them. And then suddenly one of their phones rings and they answer it and it turns out it's Coulson trying to get in contact with her. And then her demeanour completely changes from scared to just being like, look, I'm working here. Can you, can this wait? Oh, yeah. fine, I'll, fine. And, and she says something like, um, you know, I'm working here and this guy's giving away all the information. And the Russian's like, what? I, I'm not giving away all the information. Like they suddenly, <laughs> they're suddenly really uh, flummoxed by it, which you are, like as an audience, you're just like, oh, she's up to something here. And then she manages to get away whilst tied up, uh, which I yeah. think was awesome. Like I just thought that was, she, she became my favorite character from this, I think. And then later on, she does the same kind of trick with Loki in that she kind of tricks him. She puts on a veneer of vulnerability to trick him into giving away information. And then suddenly she just clicks. Which is very cool because you kind of feel like oh, she's never vulnerable. And then later on when, when she's like, Nick Fury's going, can anyone read me? Can anyone read me? And she's like shaking and like visibly trembling because she just had that interaction with the Hulk and she's like, I can hear you. Mm. And she pulls herself together. But you do get that she is a human underneath all of that clever espionage as well. And then we get introduced to both of our future husbands, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, um, who, and he's immediately better than Edward Norton because he's got all these little mannerisms with his hands and his... He's a le- and you, you, love, you immediately warm to him. Whereas with Edward Norton, I was like, oh, you know what? Be the Hulk then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. But with Mark Ruffalo, I'm like, oh, he's so lovely. He just seems but like such a nice man. You get such a sense of sort of nervousness from yeah. him. And he's constantly in a state of like, oh shit, I better not get angry. I better not let this get on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> and then Captain America gets introduced and he's basically punching things angrily because he's stuck in a time that he should not be in. Well, he misses Peggy. And then Stark is uh, then introduced, which gets a big cheer, of course, because Tony Stark's awesome. Mm-hmm. And he gets contacted by Coulson and he gets brought an Avengers file with various risk assessments, I guess, like we've said before. Yeah, every single um, one. <laughs> and he sees the Tesseract in the file. Oh, I love the way we saw him arrive back at his tower in his suit. When he gets his suit taken off, I immediately thought of Wallace and Gromit. When oh my God, yes. The, like all the like, little kind of cl- mechanical animatronic claws are coming in and taking off various bits and pieces. It was so unnecessarily complicated that it was almost comical. Yeah. And Pepper was there. And Pepper was there. And I quite like that. Um, apparently she wasn't going to be in the film, but... I was going to say Tony. Robert Downey Jr. was like, I'm not doing it without Pepper. So he was like, he needs to be in it. So I, was, got... I was kind of disappointed that she was the only um, uh, female lead to, to be in it. Like, they don't even mention uh, Betty Ross, Liv Tyler. Um, obviously, Hayley Atwell's a bit trickier because she's stuck like 75 years in the past. Um, yeah. 
But they didn't, with poor Jane from Thor, they just have this little scene where Thor's like, where's Jane? And they go, oh, we've sort of tricked her into thinking she's got a job in this remote location, so you won't be seeing her. But she was going to be in it, and then Natalie Portman got pregnant, so... Mm. They would have had to be like oh, a god baby or something, but I don't think they no, even that would have been, that would have been great. <laughs> Natalie Portman could have turned up and been like, "It's yours." <laughs> He'd be like, "But we only kissed." <laughs> we have a sudden like personality from Coulson, another character who gets fleshed out a bit more because he's gushing over Captain America, and you get this sense that he's in doing this job because he just he loves superheroes and really admires like that kind of patriotism and saving your country and stuff, which I thought was quite fun. Oh, you like Coulson now. I do, because they've given him a personality. Before you just referred to him as the man with the boring name. <laughs> well, he still has a boring name, but he doesn't have a boring personality anymore. That's not his fault, is it? But I, I enjoyed that Coulson was like fangirling over Captain America. And at, at one point he's like, can you sign my cards? <laughs> and then he keeps talking about how like, oh, they're not dogged and they're like mint condition. And he has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Is it his version of Pokemon cards? <laughs> and Loki is revealed to be in a sort of business discussion with an alien race called the Chitari. Yeah. The Chitari. Um, and the Chitari are a, a bad alien race. Yep. Um, and they want the Tesseract because the Tesseract is very powerful, so everyone will want it. Um, but Loki will only give it to them in exchange for them basically invading Earth and him and allowing him to like conquer things and be powerful I guess. isn't it refreshing that no one is smoking a cigar in that scene yeah but the aliens are really ugly so you know that they're villains never villains but they aren't a racial stereotype villain they're not they're not a racial stereotype villain because they're aliens yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've moved on we've progressed in our lives <laughs> they do have one villain trope which we haven't had yet and that is the alien voice the evil alien yeah. voice and it's the we are going to take over the world and it's that kind of deep whispery kind of they're really like, <coughs> oh sorry sorry i just had something in my throat but we are going to take over the world and so, um and then Captain America meets Hulk on a ship that becomes... Oh, the, the ship that becomes a plane. Yeah. It's a ship plane. Yeah, yeah. The best kind. It's very Thunderbirds. It's, it's very Star Trek. Very, it's, uh, I did look at these scenes where there's people like working in the background and it's that moment when you see scenes on the Death Star and you kind of go, what are all these people doing on the Death Star? Like, what, are the, what's, what else is it for? They press buttons and shit, but all it really does is shoot down planets. That's why I like when... Um... Robert Downey Jr. He apparently ad-libbed that line where he's like, and he's playing a video game over there. <laughs> so then they added in the, the screen afterwards because they like the line so much. And they're always really attractive people. And I think on a real army base, it'll be much less glamorous. Oh yeah, it'd be people like just normal people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but they did have they did have one little bit of like mild sexism, I feel, is that they always get Black Widow to like show people to their labs and yeah. stuff like, that. like she's a super good agent and goes into danger but then when there's a new person on board they're like oh Natasha could you take Mark Ruffalo to his lab please <laughs> I don't know if it's because they're like she can handle him if he hulks out Mate, that's true yeah I mean he's she's a lot younger than Samuel L Jackson so maybe that's why he couldn't handle him if he hulked out he'd just be like oh I'll hide this in a box and tiptoe past you <laughs> <laughs> um and then they eventually locate Loki. Loki, well, Loki kind of wants them to find him, it seems. Yeah. Doesn't and it? he's in Germany. He's in Germany at a fancy classical music place. In a fancy coat, too. 
with the fancy coats, looking very dapper, I must say. Uh, this was a really good scene, I thought, where he gets all the people to like bow before him and then he is about to kill the man who isn't bowing. And who clearly was around for Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's old enough to be. Um, and this was where Loki was becoming genuinely really menacing and mm. really quite frightening is when he was like, you all just want to be subjugated. You all want someone to look up to. And I was like, oh my God, the human condition. Ah. We want to be slaves. That's what they say in Harry Potter. <laughs> but then Captain America steps in just in time. And so does Tony Stark. And they have a big fight and they capture Loki and bring him back to the ship plane, the ship plane thing. Well, the mini ship plane. The mini ship. Is it a mini ship plane? Yeah, because before that, they get attacked by God of Thunder. Forgetting about him. Oh, yeah. Yes. So they're on the, that mini plane. And Captain America's like, this was too easy. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, of course it was. Like, there's always that moment, isn't there? And then Thor arrives on top of the plane. Did they really, did they really explain how Thor manages to get there? Uh, well, they kind of do. Like, Loki's like, oh, father must have had to use so much magic to get you here. <laughs> so cool. after all that, it was possible for Thor to actually get back to, the, to our world. Yeah, he was just like, you can't go because it's just for a girl. But if it's to fetch your brother back, then yes, you may leave. <laughs> Um, that was when they do that Captain America line where Iron Man's like, you know, he's like, you need a plan of attack. And he's like, I have a plan, attack. And then he dives off. And then Captain America's like, there is only one God, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. And I was like, you are such a Captain America, aren't you? That's he like, is such a Captain America. They don't shy away from the downsides to all of these characters, which I really like. And they did have so many lines like that where I was like, that's fun. That's a fun line. Yeah. My favourite line is later on when he's like, it appears we're running on some kind of electricity. And I'm like, oh, Captain, you've been, <laughs> you know, in the modern world. <laughs> he's learning about the 21st century, yeah, very gradually. He's, he's not a genius like Tony, so he wouldn't know even if he was in the modern world. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would have been the same. I'd be like, there's some wires here. They look electrical. Um, anyway, Thor wants to take Loki back to Asgard to stand trial for his crimes. But Captain America and Stark want Loki so that they can, because Loki has the Tesseract hidden. This, of course, leads to them all fighting each other. <laughs> They're in the park. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's Captain America who manages to stop the fight between Stark and Thor, and Loki is eventually imprisoned. But that's, this also brings Thor into, the, into the, the melee. With his arms out. He's wearing armour that shows his arms. Well, he has to. It's, like, it's in Chris Hemsworth's contract, isn't it? Well, why would you bother working out that much if you weren't going to wear a vest, I guess? Exactly. There's no other reason to do so. It doesn't fulfill your life, does it? I mean, no. <laughs> um, so everyone's together on the ship plane. We are actually on the ship plane. They are assembled. There's an assemblance, an assemblance of Avengers. Here's a question. I forgot to write this down, but I've just remembered it. What are they avenging? Well, they are avenging the Tesseract being stolen. Because they're called the Avengers, but that implies that there's something to avenge. But I don't know. Like, no one... No one has, like, died dramatically enough yet to well, be not avenged. Yet. Not yet. Not yet, no. And they're but not they... the Avengers yet because they're not working together as a team, so... No, uh, that's true. They're avenging Earth. They're on behalf of all of us. And I really liked um, Tony and Bruce's friendship that they formed quite quickly. The, the, the banter, the, yeah, definitely. I, I loved seeing them all interact together. And <laughs> through their interactions, you see their characters a lot more vividly. Um, everyone's together and they basically work out that Stellan Skarsgård is finding a way to use the Tesseract to open a portal and let in the Chitari and that then, then there'll be a sort of some I this is where it gets a bit confusing but I think it's meant to be is that 
they're, they're all a bit like, so Loki's thinks that this alien race is going to just let him conquer things when they all come through. And they're all like, yeah, I guess he thinks that. But I think that's the point, isn't it? That Loki's plan is so bizarre and obviously going to fail for him, even if he does manage to open up a portal. Yeah. And he is kind of like, I feel like it works well when you've got the sort of stooge villain in mm. front, like Iron Man 2 had that. I, did, I actually, I quite liked it. I liked the idea that the villain's actually a bit crap at being a villain. Yeah, I do too. And he's like, I just want to rule. And I'm like, well, you're not going to. It's so embarrassing. Just yeah. join forces with us and give us a cube pack. Yeah. And it, it's, they're kind of fighting like Loki and the Chitari, and they don't fully understand either of them. They just know that if they don't fight them, it will be a massive disaster. Um, oh, and Stark meant, Stark, this was a great line. Stark mentioned 600 teraflops. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is a teraflop? <laughs> It's one of his things that he says. I quite like um, when he even just walks into the room and he just sort of takes over in his very Tony Stark way. He's like, this, this, this. And they're like, when did you become an expert on this? He's like, last night I did the reading. I'm a genius. And, and he's like, did no one else do the reading? Yeah, exactly. And then Captain America's like, you know, I'm about, what are you about your suit? And he's like, oh, you know, billionaire, genius, philanthropist, playboy, or something like that. It's like, yes. those words. You're like, you, you are, you're everything. <laughs> yeah, and they're all a bit flummoxed by the fact that he's well aware of how shit he can be. He just doesn't care because he's wealthy. So yeah. why would you care? Why would you care? He owns half the city. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Stark and the Hulk are they're, they're kind of allied a little bit, and they're suspicious of Shields. They don't they don't really trust him because they're a bit like, why do they have the Tesseract? What did they intend to do with it in the first place? Yeah, but Captain America is very allied to Shields, which brings to light Captain America's sort of blind patriotism. Yeah his naivety and he, i like that he does go off when he realizes that they're probably on so he's like he goes and ninjas off he he nancy drews the shit out he, of this doesn't he he truly does that's a very good way of putting it <laughs> but i liked it, it again they, they'd thought about the characters really carefully here because they thought well captain america would be allied so we'd need a bit of persuasion hmm. to come around to the idea that actually because it, it eventually turns out that shield were using the tesseract to try and make weapons of mass destruction which of course, in any movie, it's like, no! You're now the bad guys. Yeah, well, it, there's a kind of, the, Captain America's perception, because he comes from the Second World War, is that there is good and there is bad. But this film is making the point that there is much in between, and that good people can do bad things and bad people can do good things. And then we have the, another scene that really shows Black Widow's power where she visits Loki. Um, and he seems to really rile her up by bringing up various past secrets. We don't get a lot of details, which I thought was quite interesting. Do we get the more details? hospital de fire. You're like, oh, yeah. no, hospital fire. <laughs> what did you do? And then, and she, it turns out that she was manipulating him because she suddenly turns again and is like, oh, you know, that, so you're getting the Hulk to basically turn into the Hulk and that will help you to escape. Great. And so she doesn't, rings up everyone. Doesn't get the information quite quick enough, really. But it is good that she got it. I guess no one else was going to because the men are, of course, men and they're far too, too callous to be able to do that. She's very clever and subtle and good at acting. Very good at acting. Very good at acting, Scarlett. She didn't get two Oscar nominations this year for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and then and Captain America has discovered that S.H.I.E.L.D. is using the Tesseract to make WMDs. So this leads to... An argument. An argument. A very loud argument. They're all like, how dare you do this? Um, and Fury does this really good kind of justification for it. And he says, the world is being filled up with people who can't be matched, who can't be controlled. And I thought that was really, really um, pertinent. 
I thought, yes. because it's like the speech that Judy Dench gives in um, Skyfall. <laughs> in what? In Cats. Cats in the same. When um, Judy Dench does that speech in Cats with her fake, with her human hands. Yeah. <laughs> in in Skyfall, when she talks about how the real the real enemy is what you cannot see, and everyone's hidden in like the dark web and behind kind of mm-hmm. technology and things like that. And um, there are things going on behind the scenes that governments just have no idea about and they're desperately trying to find out. It's very hard to keep track of, well, terrorist groups, I guess, isn't it? Well, yeah. And especially since like the last few films we've seen, the terrorist groups do have super-esque technology, like whiplash and abomination. Yeah. So. You, don't really, you, don't, you, don't, you definitely don't want a terrorist group to get hold of a real tesseract in this world. No. Maybe you should not keep it on this planet. Maybe they had the right idea about keeping it on Asgard. Exactly. <laughs> and it also made the consequences of the previous movies come to light because yeah. they, they bring up the fact, they, they use the example of the big giant robot thing in Thor who attacked that town and how they were like, Thor, you brought this in, you brought this on us. So we've got to now defend ourselves against whatever else is out there because we don't know what's out there. Yeah, it's true, but they could probably do it better. And it is interesting that they originally, like the Avengers was their very much their last ditch plan because they didn't want to bring all these people together. Mm. They didn't really trust them. And now they've done it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because it was it was scrapped, wasn't it? And then Fury's yeah. just kind of thrown them together. They're very much a sense that Fury has thrown these people together out of desperation, not out of any kind of plan. And then they have this big argument where I like this because it brings all the characters downsized to light in one scene. You've got Stark's arrogance. You've got Captain America's piousness, which is disgusting sometimes, quite frankly. <laughs> um, you've got Thor being really pompous and a bit knuckleheaded. Um, yeah. And you've got Hulk's anger, could it's which is, you know, gonna screw things up a little bit sometimes <laughs> and black widows i guess aligned with fury and this sort of more shadowy side sinister side of the government the black black widow is you know she's paid by nick fury so she has to be kind of allied with him doesn't she yeah and i think you can even hear if you like try and isolate what everyone's saying in that big like rabble of noise she's going how were you so naive to believe that we wouldn't have done this or something like that i can't remember and then that this makes loki's staff start to glow um which I guess it's feeding off like their negativity or something. Maybe they need more positive vibes and yoga in their world. But this, like Loki's plan is kind of coming to fruition, to escape, is coming to fruition. Um, And Hawkeye is on his way and he attacks. Hulk is unleashed um, and attacks Black Widow. This whole fight scene was just insane and really, really exciting. Everyone gets a go. It's lovely. And everyone saves another person. Yes, yes. And everyone needs to be saved at some point as well. I think there's... They, they're kind of forced to work as a team. Like, so Hulk attacks Black Widow, then Thor attacks Hulk, and then Captain America and Stark have to go and mend the ship. And they always have to mend the ship in the most awkward place. They always have to climb out to the outside of it and climb down some shaft or hold on to some like rope about 30,000 feet in the air. And there's always that, always. And I do think it shows off Captain America's proper hero status because he's literally jumping around in the air uh, thousands of miles above earth i assume i don't know how miles work but many miles (laughs) above earth and he's just like ninjaing about flipping around grabbing i actually even though i've seen it so many times whenever he flies out and grabs the rope i'm always like i don't know why because i know he's gonna be fine but i'm like he's got the rope thank god because stark can fly and hulk is like indestructible and 
Thor can use his hammer to do whatever the hell he wants. Whereas uh, Captain America is like strong, but he, other than that, he just has his wits and his niceness yeah. and his excellent hair. Like, and that's only going to take him so far. Black Widow and him are like the vulnerable ones. So you, you feel more afraid for them. And then, and Hulk ends up on like a fighter plane flying away. Um, so he ends up off the plane ship mm-hmm. and course and Thor ends up in Loki's cell because Loki Loki tricks him and Loki's like are you ever not gonna fall for that <laughs> it's it embarrassing though it's like oh I ran right into the cell <laughs> you're like oh come on you're meant to be a god Thor is an utter knucklehead like, he really utter, is. Utter knucklehead. he's gonna be king of the Asgard and I bet they're all like oh good <laughs> yeah. a Gryffindor that's exactly what we need <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, but so Coulson tries to save Thor, but he gets stabbed by Loki and he dies. Yeah, weren't expecting that way. But you felt mean saying all those mean things about him before. No, I don't. Well, I didn't feel mean because he's a fictional character. But I was like, but <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how he ends up in Agents of Shields. Well, very yeah, soon. it will be, won't it? Um, I love the bit where Thor's the cell that Thor is in gets dropped and it falls, and that that for me was my moment of oh shit, that's. That's, that's, that looks really heavy and really dangerous. That looks really dangerous. <laughs> I know, don't be underneath it, anyone. And he's flying around with his little hammer trying to bash it open. Yeah, and he gets out like a split second before it hits the ground. That was really well shot, I thought. Yeah. I really got a feel of the weight of it and the speed with which he was falling. And the tension was intense. It was really intense. And then Black Widow and Hawkeye are fighting and she punches him, which means that he's okay now. Well, he was actually slightly okay just before she punched him, but I like that she didn't fall for his going, Natasha. She's just like, no, I'm going to punch you one more time to make sure. (laughs) And then Stark manages to stop the ship plane from falling down because he is able to fly and get the propeller moving again. Thanks to Captain America pulling that lever. Thanks to Captain America pulling that lever. So they all contribute something, except Hulk, I guess. Hulk just goes on a massive rampage and disappears. I guess that, that explains why he has that moment when he comes back in the final fight and they're all like... Hulk's here, woo! And that's him, his kind of redemption for not helping out when this whole shit was going down. Yeah, I think so. Apparently, um, <laughs> there's a blooper where they're like, oh, Hulk, smash. And he's like, no, you're on your own, folks, or something. Like, he just runs <laughs> off. <laughs> so I was like, that's brilliant. Um, Hulk, yeah, Hawkeye's back to normal. Fury does a great big kind of speech about avenging Coulson's death. Mm-hmm. I guess Coulson represents the Marvel fan base. He does. Mm-hmm. He's very much the everyman. Like he's fangirling, he collects cars, he, cards, he has a love of heroes and stuff, doesn't he? Um, he, he? Yeah, he's just like, oh, I get to work with these guys. And then they don't actually work in the way he hopes they will. And mm, yeah. man up. And so they're trying to work out where to go next. And Stark works out that Selen Skarsgård has the Tesseract on the top of Stark Tower, which... Yeah. Why, why is that there? I don't, if I was Loki, I'd be like, don't put it on Stark's tower. Yeah, but isn't it like they established quite early on that his, his tower is being powered by something that is the electricity. So I guess when the city goes down, his will still be running. Oh, that's why. I see. Yes, because he lights it up at the very start in a different way, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for clearing that one up. That's all right. That's why I'm here. I did think of, of all the stupid things Loki is doing, that did seem really daft to put it yeah, on Stark don't, Tower. Don't go and do it in their house. Are you insane? Find the last car. place they will look is his own tower. <laughs> <laughs> and Loki is there defending Stellan Skarsgård and his machine, which has the Tesseract inside. Um, oh, and Loki, there's that moment. So Stark turns up and him and Loki are fighting. And Loki's staff can't affect Stark because yeah. of the, the heart thingy. 
so I guess it's powered by similar power. Yeah, I guess it must be. They're both blue and glowy, so I guess it's like it's like you know negative energy, negative energy. Pew. Yeah, very true. Like two magnets facing the yeah. same way can't point. At this each is other. real science, guys. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> And then, so the Tesseract and the machines and shit, they open up the portal and the Tatari army come in on these great big giant whale snake metallic things. Like centipedes in the world. Like, I know. They're, they're horrible. Were, and it's like the first time, well, after, I guess the last film kind of got the audience prepped for weird, crazy shit. Mm. And this one leans hard into it. Yeah, I, but I, I like that. I'm, I, I'm like, yeah, I mean, they're an alien race, so why wouldn't they have giant whale, centipede, snake, metallic robot things that can destroy entire buildings in one go and seem totally indestructible? And like one comes through and they bring it down. So then they, then they reveal that they've got a whole army of these things. And there's that moment <laughs> of, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. Before we could do it. Um, so th- we have a very, very lengthy battle across New York City, and I'll try and pick out like highlights from it rather than go into detail because that it, it's just endless glowy, flashy lights, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's very exciting. So Thor fights Loki, uh, then Captain America, Black Widow, and Hawkeye all arrive. Where the hell does Hawkeye get all these arrows from? Does he just have this arrow maker in his back? Well, you see, I, that is a question that I do not know the answer to. He does seem to have many arrows. Possibly he's running around picking them out of people as he goes, a bit like Legolas. I know, it's just very impractical, really. I mean, I feel like he's he's the guy, he's the one who's like, I'm a superhero too, guys. Look, I shoot bows and arrows and I live in like, I live up high and I can I have really good eyesight. Please <laughs> employ me. High. And they're like, no, you can't just give yourself a name. That's not how superheroes work. <laughs> <laughs> It's, he's, um, he's ambidextrous, so you, he shoots with both hands. Wow, wow. Yeah. The only man in the world is ambidextrous. Did he get bitten by a spider and get given ambidexterity? Dun, dun, dun. I have two hands that work the same. Yes! <laughs> Thor tries to persuade Loki to see how bad it is. That's like how bad things are going down. But then Loki stabs him anyway. So there's a real sense of like, oh, there's no getting through to Loki. She's going to have to defeat him then in that case. Loki's um, the worst. Yeah. But Thor's okay, which is good. Loki heads off with a Chitari on these sort of flying moped things that they have, which yep. look really fun. Um, and then the Hulk shows up and he's treated as like the one they need um, for, for reasons, I guess. But it, it's good that he's there. <laughs> well, you need a tank. If you're going to have a, a squad, you need like the brains, the tank, you need all these different things. So... I agree. It's a bit like a D&D party. You've got your rogue, your barbarian. True, true. You've got them all. You need them all. And you need them all in order to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess um, Hulk needs that moment to be like, I am now in control of my anger. Yay! And they my secret is I'm always angry. And I was like, Oh, Oh, he's always angry. <laughs> that, that makes perfect sense. Woo. I don't know how that means you're in control, but that's great. <laughs> you know what? When you break it down, it, that's a load of tosh, but because you're so excited at this point in the film, you actually do not care. Yeah. You're like, go for it. And then I think Cap starts giving people orders and they all take it. Cause they're like, he seems like a, he's the captain. His yeah. He's, he's like the leader. Who's all good. And he yeah. goes Hulk and Hulk looks at him and he goes, smash <laughs> and there's lots and lots and lots of fighting um oh so so thor can hold his hand up and the hammer just kind of flies to him right is it the same with captain america's shield because 
he throws the shield away and every now and then the shield just reappears in his arms again. No, it's not the same, but he's very good at boomeranging it. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, he's learned that. Though I can imagine they're fighting and then you've got Hawkeye and Captain America running around. Hawkeye's like, I need arrows, quick, get arrows. And Captain America's like, where's my shield? I've misplaced my shield. I would love a realistic look at their fight, actually. <laughs> They'd have to stop every now and then because they get like a cut on their head and be like, oh, quick, stitches, stitches. And they get like a little first aid kit out and some antiseptic and stuff. They all have really good chemistry as well. And I don't mean that in a romantic way, but they all have, you can really feel that they're all working together as a team. It's like a family almost. And you get a sense that all the actors are having fun behind the scenes. I don't know if they were or not, but you get a sense that they are having a good time and they're really liking what they're doing. Stellan Skarsgård wakes up at some point and he's no longer possessed by Loki and he has a moment of, what have I done? Well, it's not his fault. He was literally possessed. He has a moment, he, he reveals to Black Widow that he built in a sort of safety thing into to to destroy it and i'm like ah the death star (laughs) it's the same mistake every time (laughs) someone's been watching star wars rogue one and realized that if you put in a tiny little hole that the villain cannot see then the good guys can use that you have to otherwise they would just be fighting a losing battle it'd be a very sad avengers film exactly oh they had this great bit where hulk beats up loki in stark tower i thought this was so funny when loki's like you can't defeat me a hulk literally just like destroys him <laughs> <laughs> puny god <laughs> it's very satisfying because again it adds to the fact that loki is pathetic as a yeah. villain um, he's very good at masterminding he just needs more you know Exactly, you can't rely on mind control all the time because then they just get unmind controlled and they all dance off and do their own thing again. This is the thing with like Bond villains. If you take Blofeld, for example, Blofeld has absolutely no interpersonal skills whatsoever. He's just he's just abominably evil and throws people into piranha ponds and shark tanks and stuff. I know. And who who was it who was putting those shark tanks in for him? Like, can you imagine being commissioned to build that? And you're like, and why do you, why, why are you doing a big fish pond? He's like, oh, to murder my... <laughs> if you, you're an owner of, like, tropical fish and you get called up by a bald man in a grey suit and they go, I just want some piranhas. You go, why? And he's yeah. like, just for pets, I guess. I like, I like tropical fish. When I've got those piranhas that eat fruit. No, 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 not the fruit piranhas. But then with people like that, why would he have so many allies? Because he's just not a people person. Like, you know, people... Evil, pe- evil men throughout, throughout the world, like take Adolf Hitler or Pol Pot or Mussolini, people like that. The, people liked them to begin with. They were, pe- they were people people. They could get people on their side. They but with villains them. like Loki, and, like Loki shows that if you're not a people person, you're not going to have people on your side. Whereas the classic villain is not a people person. And yet they have all these facility people with helmets and stuff and they get thrown over balconies all the time. It's true, yeah. You need someone on your team with charisma. And exactly. you absolutely need Loki it. has that. He just isn't using it well because he's always like, oh, humans are so stupid. Yeah, I guess it's, it's the egotism, isn't it? It's the yeah. superiority complex that he has. Um, Fury gets informed by this mysterious shadowy council that this, this made me laugh. I was a bit like, this is a bit extreme, guys. They're going to sh- shoot a massive nuclear weapon to destroy New York City to get rid of the aliens and kill all the millions of people who are in New York City. Yep. Why not? Um, it's very Team America of them. So, but then they use that to their advantage. So the nuclear missile is heading straight towards New York. So Tony Stark manages to fly and drag the nuclear missile up into the portal and that destroys the Chitauri, closes the portal and Tony Stark falls out just in time. Because he is a hero, unlike what Steve said to him. 
where he was like, you just fight for yourself. And it's like, he does not. He literally almost died with that nuclear missile. Yeah, that, that was a really tense moment. I, I was more tense because I knew, I gathered that the nuclear missile was going to destroy the Chitauri, but like I was worried that Tony Stark would get not fall through the portal in time and get mm. and get stuck in there and then that would be a cliffhanger ending like no other yeah. um but yeah that all happens and it saves day I did think maybe Fury could have maybe said to the council oh you got nuclear weapons that's great could you shoot them up through the portal instead would that yeah, that, that might work better I feel like he always seems to assume that everyone will do the right thing so maybe he was you remember with like last Iron Man he's like you'll figure it out maybe it was a similar thing that eye patch really makes him weak in that respect, doesn't it? Blinds <laughs> him to the bad side of humanity. <laughs> Silly old Nick Fury. Yeah. I like that Hulk saves Iron Man as well because they had that nice friendship before, so it felt felt right. Yeah, that was good. It all just it all just came together really, really well as a mm. conclusion. Um, and then the Tesseract and Loki get taken back to Asgard by Thor. They say goodbye and. That's kind of how it ends, really. The main, the main bulk of the film is that they they establish the fact that they got these superheroes. They're now allied, mm-hmm. and will it makes you very excited to find out what's going to happen in their individual films as well as the next Avengers film. It does its job very well, and Joss Whedon is very good at making a group of characters who shouldn't really work together work together really well. So I'm going to give him credit where it's due. To. Def, I just think it was so superior to all the other films because they really worked hard on character mm. and. I think people say, oh, you know, I'm more plot driven, I'm more character driven. I think actually everyone who, every viewer of films is character driven because you can have a great plot, but if the characters are boring, it's not going to be... You need to care. You need to care. Each character is very defined. It's a very different type of person. So it will appeal to basically your whole audience because you're going to have some people who are like, I feel like I relate most to Hulk, which was you. Um, And I feel like I relate most to this person. You know, so I feel like everyone's got their own person they're rooting for. So you're going to get to a wider group of people, get Mm. them caring a lot more. I don't know who I relate most to. I'm going to say Black Widow because she's the best one. But also when she has like a moment of just emotional distraughtness and you have to be like picking it up i'm just gonna carry on working it's fine i feel like i do that a lot <laughs> yeah, i think we've all we've all been there, in the we've past. All been there. <laughs> especially in 2020 we've been there the relatable scene of having a slight panic attack and then being like no it's fine i just carry on <laughs> and there's not there's a there's a during credit scene which shows the chitari doing like a little we are going to take over the world eventually don't you worry guys we'll be back kind of speech um, and they reveal, I assume, from this reveal, a character that's very important. And yeah. you've got a big smirk on your face about this. Is <laughs> some kind of, it was just, it was the face of a character. And there was a, it was just d- directed in such a way that you're meant to be like, this person's well, important. Yeah, he's important. I can't tell you too much about him because it is a big plot. Point. Okay, I will wait for him to come Good back into my life. Right? Good chin? Yeah, yeah. He looked like a giant purple brick. Yep. That, that is what he looks like. I remember when I went to see the cinema the first time. I, like Some people in the cinema had read the comics and some people hadn't. So when that appeared, some people were like, <gasps> and other people were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I think what made that mid-credits scene so important was the fact that it was mid-credits and not right at the end. So you, you, did, you actually have no choice but to see it. It's important to see it. Like I said, this is a big 10 out of 10. I really, really like this film. This is the first one where I was like, yes, I understand why people get so into this. This is so much fun. A whole new level. I did have to spend about five minutes just kind of calming myself down a bit because throughout the whole thing, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> 
I was so excited to do this podcast because I was like, I love this film. Like the other ones, I'm like, I like them a lot. They're good. But I don't like them as much as this one, Phase 2 on. Uh, do you have a quiz for me? I always have a quiz for you. Yay. You paying attention. We'll do our first two easy questions. How much money do you think it made? Oh my God, it probably made loads of money. Uh, 900 million. 1.5 billion <laughs> fuck off no way that is the third highest grossing film of all time or it became that the highest grossing film of that year the highest grossing comic book adaptation the highest grossing superhero film and the highest grossest film ever released by walt disney do you think it was as well received as it was money wise what do you think it has on rotten tomatoes i think it's going to be pretty high i'm going to go with 93 Oh, you were so close. It was 92. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I, I think, figured this would be in the 90s. And do you agree with that? I'd probably put it slightly higher. I'd probably give it a good 96, 97. And do you know what? People are very similar to us in that they, the main consensus for why it got so high is because it emphasises its heroes as humanity rather than everything else. Yeah. More in-depth questions. Why oh, does Captain no. America pay Nick Fury $10? on the ship oh they, they had some kind of bets didn't they, uh, they did. i can't remember what it was now it was because nick was like oh you're gonna see some really things are gonna get stranger and he was like i bet i don't see anything else that amazes me and then he did um did you spot stanley oh yeah he was towards the end he was on like a news channel or something wasn't he he said he something quite amusing give me a break <laughs> <laughs> that's what i imagine so what does mark ruffalo's hulk do differently to all the other hulks before allegedly according to mark ruffalo what does he do differently or what does he do differently i don't know so he's the apparently according to him the only actor to date to play both the hulk and bruce banner in the same movie because he does all the performance capture stuff on set Oh, I see. Oh. And his Hulk is also the only one that has chest hair. <laughs> oh, that's hot. Yeah. Apparently his, um, his body is actually modelled on this like, uh, stripper. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And what does Iron Man's suit have that he doesn't have in previous films? Oh, um, I'm not sure. I didn't notice, actually. So his suit has a jetpack because Joss Whedon didn't like that he was using his hands the whole time because he thought he looked like Tinkerbell. <laughs> what, because it's like, it's all sort of um, limp-wristed? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm flying. So he was like, no, no, we're adding a jetpack. Um, how, this is just, I don't know how to ask you this as a question. So how do you think they filmed the Hulk and Loki's fight scene? With lots of computer-generated imagery. They had a rope tied to Tom Hiddleston's leg. Oh, so that was actually, there wasn't like a computer-generated Loki, that was a real Loki. They pulled him up, yeah. Um, apparently he never knew when the rope would be pulled during his speech. So it was always a look of surprise each time. They did, there is a sense that he just gets completely interrupted mid-speech. Yeah. It's, it's not even well-timed. It's just, whoop, whoop, there, there he goes. <laughs> um, when you see Gwyneth Paltrow's character, what do you notice about her outfit? I noticed that she was in really short shorts. I mean, you would, but <laughs> she's barefoot. Oh yeah, she was barefoot. She was dressed like um, a sort of uh, uh, like a woman in like a trailer park, like a sort of goop woman. Yeah, um, she's gooping around because she's barefoot. Robert's in like platform shoes, just to give him a bit of height. Because uh, is Robert Downey Jr. like the same height as Gwyneth Paltrow? 
Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> or shorter. <laughs> There's a few little RDJ facts that are quite fun for this film. So he <laughs> ad-libbed a fair bit. So what do you think he kept hidden all over the lab set? Uh, snakes. To keep it me was, out. Yes, to keep you. That's the only reason you were in the film, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he kept food hidden around. So whenever he's eating and offering food to people, that's his actual food. And he's just doing that for fun. Oh, just ad-libbing it? He's just ad-libbing it, because no one could ever find where he was keeping the food. That's fun. I like that. He improvised two key bits. Mm-hmm. Can you work out what they were? Um, there was, you, you mentioned the one about, he pointed out the guy playing a video game. On that a giant was, ship plane. No, I've not, I'm not including that, because I've already oh, done that. Yeah. On top of that video game moment. On top of that? Oh my goodness. Um, is it when he describes himself as like a billionaire playboy inventor thing? No, that would be such a good line to ad-lib, though. That's such just weed and lining. That's it is very, yeah. Line. No, go on, tell me. I'm not sure. So he did the, let's just not come in tomorrow speech. That was him. Okay. And he also did, uh, doth mother doubt, no, thou weareth her drapes in the um, Shakespeare in the Park scene. Yes, yeah, Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah, that was funny. I enjoyed that very much. Did you think that the actors were enjoying themselves away from the set? Do you think they all got on? um even if they didn't get on i've got a sense that they were having fun playing so, the roles but is there is there drama <gasps> i have bad news there's no oh, drama no. they all loved each other and oh. chris evans used to be like he just texts them saying assemble when it was time for a night out and they'd all go on nights out together that's ugh, that's a bit naff because <laughs> <laughs> you wanted them to be having a good time i well i i want them to look like they're having a good time but i, I would love it if there was like some backstage drama no, they all like got on, which I think is so rare. It's nice. I guess it is rare. Yeah, yeah. And then the final question uh, pertains to the final, final end credit scene. Who was not eating and why? Um, Scarlett Johansson, because the awful men told her not to. No, that would oh. be bad. She's actually chowing down quite happily in that scene. Good. It's Captain America. Uh huh. And he's not eating because Chris Evans had grown his beard out for another film and he refused to shave it off again. So he's wearing a prosthetic jaw and he has to hide it because it looks like he's been stung by bees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. That's that. That's your quiz. That's my quiz. Well, I'm fully, fully into the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Yeah. I feel like we need to change the name of our podcast to just to Marvel Scholars. Well, I guess you are going to be a Marvel virgin to every film, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. What is the next one? Let me check my list. <gasps> Iron Man 3. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, you do love an Iron Man film. I do like an Iron Man film. Haven't had an Iron Man film in a little while now. So yeah. I feel like I need, I need to um, satiate my Iron Man hunger. There are a few like little wobbly films in Phase 2, but on the whole... Well, this is where the TV series starts to come in. So after Iron Man 3, we'll have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1. Cool. And then it's Thor The Dark World, mm. which I think you've mentioned before you're not a fan of that one. Mm. Uh, Captain America The Winter Soldier. Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm excited about. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> that, looks, that looks like my, my cup of tea, definitely. We've got um, Agent Ant-Man. Carter and Daredevil starting. Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Jessica Jones. Love it. And Avengers Age of Ultron. It's a very good phase. I'm not going to lie. It's a good one. Excellent. Well, we will start phase two with Iron Man 3 next time. Dun, dun, dun.
You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Version. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Version. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact-filled episode.